0: Well, I want to spend our time uh, once again turning to the Gospel of John, Gospel of John. So open your Bibles with me to John chapter 15, John chapter 15. In our continued study of this, we find ourselves once again in John chapter 15, particularly in verses 12 through 17, and we're going to begin to unpack that in just a moment, but I want to begin our time tonight by just relaying to us a story that I was reading some time ago that concerned a, a relationship between two brothers who happened to be identical twins. And it went like this, quote, being identical twins, their lives became inseparably intertwined. And from the first day, they dressed alike, they went to the same school's. They did all the same things. In fact, they were so close that neither of them ever married, but they, became, they came back to where they grew up, took over the running of the family business where their, when their father had died. And their relationship to each other was a very pointed relationship and really a model uh, in many ways of what the author said was creative collaboration. So they worked very closely together. But one morning, a customer came into the store that they were managing, and he made a small purchase. And the brother who waited on him put uh, the dollar bill on top of the cash register and walked to the front door with the man. And sometime later, he remembered the transaction and what he had done, but when he went to the cash register, the dollar was gone. And so he asked his brother if he had seen the dollar bill, and his brother said he knew nothing about the bill that he was talking about. His brother said, well, that's funny. I distinctly remember placing the bill here on the register and no one else has been in the store since then. Now, had the matter, of course, been dropped with that, a really small mystery involving this small amount of money, it would have been okay. Nothing would have come of it. However, an hour later... This time, with some sense of suspicion in his voice, the brother asked again, Are you sure you didn't see that dollar bill and put it into the register? The other brother was quick to pick up on the sense of suspicion in his voice, and he gave his answer back. That was really the beginning of the first serious breach of trust that had ever come between these twin brothers. And that breach grew wider and wider and wider over time. And every time they tried to discuss the issue, there were new charges and new countercharges that were unleashed towards each other until finally it got so bad that they were forced to dissolve their relationship. They ran a partition down the middle of their father's store, turned what had been a harmonious partnership into a competition. In fact, that business became a source of division for the whole community. Warfare went on for more than 20 years. One day, a car without a license plate pulled up in front of the store, and a man, very well dressed, got out of the car, went inside, and asked how long they'd been in business. He learned it had been more than 20 years. He said, then, then you're the one that I need to talk to. I need to settle an old score. He said, some 20 years ago, I was out of work and drifting from place to place. And I happened to get off a train that was passing through off one of the boxcars that I was riding on this train. And I had absolutely no money. I hadn't eaten for three days. As I was walking down the alley behind your store... I looked in and I saw a dollar bill on top of the cash register. Everyone else was in the front of the store and I had been raised in a Christian home. I'd never before in all my life stolen anything, but that morning I was so hungry I gave in to the temptation, slipped through the door, took the dollar bill. He said that act weighed on my conscience for years and I finally decided I would never be at peace until I came back faced up to the old sin and made it right he said would you let me now replace that money and pay you whatever is appropriate for damages of course the brother who was now old said to the stranger after shaking his head in dismay and beginning to weep said can you come with me for a minute across through the door here down the middle of this partition I want you to go with me and repeat the same story that you just told me it's a dramatic story isn't it twin brothers so close and yet over one small little incident years of damage and of course we can draw all kinds of conclusions from That kind of story as we read them. But of all that we can learn from that story, one thing for sure is to learn this, that mistrust and suspicions that have no basis in fact can and will, in fact, poison even the best relationship. Takes place all the time in our world. It's tragic to see, especially even in unbelievers. But it's extremely heart wrenching when it takes place with Christians. Sad when a Christian marriage breaks up because some small issue of suspicion breaks out that's unfounded. Sad when relationships are ended over. Silly little things. Particularly when the passage that we come to tonight here in John chapter 15 lays out explicit instructions for us as Christians on how we are to relate to one another. How we are to relate brother to brother, sister to sister in the church or in the Christian community. I've said this before as we've started in John chapter 15, that chapter 15 really is all about relationships. It's all about relationships. We learned last time when we were here how to relate to the vine. Right, The Father is the vine dresser. Jesus is the vine. We're the branches. How do we relate to the vine? Specifically, we honed in on our relationship As believers, and what that's to be with Christ, we are to abide in Him. We are to follow Him. We are to walk with Him. In verses 18 through 27, we're not going to get there tonight, but when we we get there probably next time, it's going to show us how we relate to the world how we as Christians relate to the world. So in in the first verses, how we relate to Christ as the branch. In verse 18 and following, how we relate to the world. What is our relationship with unbelievers? And more importantly, what can we expect from unbelievers because of our relationship to the vine? And placed right here in the middle of those two scenarios is how we are to relate to one another. How to carry out Our relationship, really how to carry out our friendship, our familial relationship with our brothers and sisters in Christ. And as we begin to study these principles for true friendship, I want us to be careful so that we're not tempted to do what many have done. When we hear these kinds of truths, what our heart wants to do but we need to exercise the discipline of refusal oftentimes when we hear truths that deal with relationships we have the tendency to get what i like to call the i will win syndrome The i will win syndrome what do i mean by that i mean i'll do it i'll do these principles when the other person begins to do it back to me I'll exercise these principles when it's the right moment. And if they won't practice the principles back to me, or if it's not the right moment, then I am not going to practice it towards them. Let's, let's, let's not get that. Let's covenant with ourselves right now, right before God, and our hearts as Christians. To remove ourselves from that kind of thinking. Because these principles apply to all of us. They don't just apply to somebody when they're applying those things to me. They apply to all of us, all the time, individually and corporately, no matter how anybody else responds to us. In other words, if no one else responds to us at all in this kind of way, we must still Respond to them in this way. So let's get that clear in our mind. Don't relegate these to the I will do it when syndrome. Looking to make sure that others are practicing them first. Let's rather look to ourselves. So these are principles for all of us. Every Christian. And I believe Jesus is dealing really here with three principles for us to apply tonight. And they are to be a reflection of our relationship with Him, the vine. These are the outflow of our relationship with the vine as believers. Three principles that reflect that with one another. We'll just talk about these as we go through. Number one is this. The principle of sacrifice. The principle of sacrifice. As a reflection of our relationship with Jesus Christ, this is to be a driving principle with our relationship to one another, the principle of sacrifice. Notice what he says in verses 12 and 13. This is my commandment that you love one another. Just as I have loved you, greater love has no one than this, that one lay down his life for his friends. I love that Jesus calls the disciples friends. It's a very intimate passage, a very close passage. And if our friendship with Jesus Christ is going to grow, if we are going to bear fruit from the vine, as it's stated earlier, if we're going to reflect that fruit out, if it is to be seen as genuine fruit, then there has to be sacrifices made. It's going to have to be sacrifices made. The principle is the same in a relationship between two Christians as it is between us and Jesus Christ. Luke chapter 14 says, You cannot be my disciple unless you take up my cross and follow me. You cannot be my disciple unless you hate everything else in comparison to your love for me. It looks as if you hate all those things. You cannot be my disciple. If our relationship is going to be one of producing fruit, then personal sacrifice has to take place. This is what the word love means. This is my commandment that you love. Greater love has no one than he laid down his life for once. This is what love means. It's agape. We know the word. We've heard the word in the original language. It's sacrificial action toward others those who are friends of Christ, have a deep, sincere, sacrificial love for other Christians. Deep, sincere, sacrificial. You remember back in chapter 13, when Jesus had washed the disciples' feet and Judas had betrayed him, already heading out, about to sell him into the hands of the Pharisees. In verse 34, Jesus says, a new commandment I give to you. Not a new one by means of the reality that that had never been in the commandments before. The, the commandments were, love the Lord your God with your whole soul, mind, and strength, and love your neighbor as yourself. So it wasn't new in that sense, but it was new by way of the quality of it, new by way of this idea of the qualitative idea I give it to you, that you love one another even as I have loved you. And Jesus says in verse 35, by this all men will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. John chapter 15, it says, through Christ's words, the same thing. Just as I have loved you, verse 12. This is my commandment that you love one another just as. I have loved you. And you see right there the reality and principle of sacrifice. Jesus Christ wants us to love one another just as He loves us, in the same way He loves us. He is the ultimate example. Greater love has no one than this. One laid down his life. Sacrifice. For his friends. To lay down one's life implies monumental sacrifice. Monumental sacrifice. The depth of sacrifice one is willing to make for others. Reveals the intensity of their expression of love. Let me say that again. The depth of sacrifice one is willing to make for others reveals the intensity of their expression of love. So each one of us needs to think through our own lives. Each one of us needs to think about our own relationships with our brothers and sisters in Christ. How much are we giving up so that others will be built up? How much are we sacrificing for the sake of the other's growth? You see, from Christ's example and from His words, we know that true relationship, true friendship, thrives on personal sacrifice. And so if we will continually and consciously cultivate a personal sacrificial spirit by remaining obediently with Christ in the vine, we'll show ourselves as friends of Christ and we'll be true friends of others. By this, they will know that you are my disciples. So the first commandment, the first principle is this principle of sacrifice. A successful church, a successful body of Christ is one built on sacrifice built on which there is personal interaction of relationship, not like we read about, not where suspicion builds, where petty things build, where little sever- little offenses build, and then pretty soon the bricks of offense get so large that you can no longer see through the wall and the division that goes in. And then you have people who walk out the doors angry or come in the doors angry because they have division somewhere else. No, it's built on sacrifice. What am I going to give that others might be elevated and built? That's the first principle, sacrifice. Second principle is this, single-mindedness, single-mindedness. The principle of single-mindedness as a reflection of our relationship with Jesus Christ. First, the principle of sacrifice as a reflection of our relationship with Jesus Christ. We're following in his steps. He is our example. Love as I loved you. Now, the principle is single-mindedness. Notice what he says, verse 14 and 15. You are my friends if you do what I command you. No longer do I call you slaves, for the slave does not know what his master is doing. But I have called you friends. For all things that I heard from my father, I have made known to you. This is the principle of single-mindedness. Why do I call it that? Because true friends desire the same things. Two friends desire the same thing. Jesus is is opening their eyes to the reality of the relationship change. They are now friends. They're not slaves. They're not those who are owned by the master in the sense that they are workers. The master doesn't divulge to them because they're simply just those who go into the field. No, that's not what Jesus is saying. I am, we have this intimate relationship. You are my friends if you do what I command you. In other words, the reflection of the relationship with us and the vine is one born out of a walking in obedience, a reflection of what he is doing. Jesus is talking about obedience here, isn't he? You're my friends when you're obeying. Our obedience to Christ is the summation of our friendship with Christ. It is the reflection of it. It is the outworking of it. And obedience to Christ is single-mindedness in action. That's really what it is. Obedience to Christ is single-mindedness in action. What Christ thinks, we think. What Christ does, we do. In other words, we obey Christ out of our single-mindedness with Christ. We don't just make it up as we go. We don't just decide that, hey, I'm going to go do this. We don't live any way we want to live even though we have attached Christ to our life in some kind of verbal way. No, a single-mindedness with Christ is to know Christ, to obey Christ. Our hearts are knit together in oneness. This is why Jesus could say to them, you are my friends if you do what I command you. It doesn't mean that when it comes to our friendships with one another and particularly our friendship with Christ that we obey one another in some kind of way because one is lording it over the other. It's a reflection of a, of a closeness. It's a, it's a reflection of a single-mindedness, a, a same directionness. That doesn't even mean we won't disagree. We'll certainly disagree. Those things always take place. But the point is that there is a heart aim. There is a a single-minded heart aim that's running in the same direction. They're single-minded. You might even call it one-souled. One-souled. Single-souled. Same direction. This was the principle in the Old Testament, when you read First Samuel chapter 18, between David and Jonathan, the the homosexual community has run rampant with that story and trying to think that David and Jonathan had some kind of a homosexual relationship. It's, it's blasphemous. They were one-souled. David had come off the battlefield. He, he had fought Goliath. He had he, By God's grace and by God's mercy, David was used to, to really show the Philistines that, that God's people were Israel, and they couldn't overtake that. And so he speaks to Saul. David speaks to Saul. In chapter 18, verse 1, after David had finished speaking to Saul, Jonathan became one in spirit with David, it says. Became one in spirit with him, and he loved him, it says, as himself. I think that's what Jesus is dealing with here. That's what he's talking about. Jonathan settled in with a singleness of mind with David, a singleness of direction. And you see that played throughout. Even as Saul attempts to try to kill David, Jonathan was there for him. Their hearts were for the same things, And so it is then our obedience to Christ that reflects the same principle the singleness of soul. One commentator said it this way, it's a mutuality of heart. It's a mutuality of heart. Our hearts are linked with Christ when we're remaining, when we're in the vine. Our hearts are linked with Christ. One mission, one desire, one drive what like jesus says in verse 15 no longer do i call you slaves for the slave does not know what his master is doing you're not on that level of relationship you know what i'm doing i've told you what i'm doing i've shared all things you notice that for all things that i've heard from my father i've made known to you you haven't been left out of anything in other words, you're not simply employees given a task to do, no understanding of the mission, just go do it, be a widget maker. No, no, you're friends. I've shared with you all things. I've given to you my life. I've given to you my word. You ever think of your relationship with Jesus Christ like that? That intimacy? that single-mindedness, single-souled. Sometimes, sometimes we have Christ in such a place where His deity, which is rightly to think about in the highest sense of the word, His deity overrides His humanity and His single-souledness with us. The mystery of our unity with Jesus Christ and being in Christ by faith, how we are single-minded with Him. In fact, the Word of God says we have the mind of Christ. In the mind of Christ. Now, don't go away from here believing that simply because we obey, we become friends of God. Now, don't go away with that idea. That's not what is being said here. That's not what Christ is saying. If you obey me, you are a friend of mine. He's not saying you're gaining something by your obedience. What he is saying is your obedience reflects the reality of a relationship of friendship with me, this single-souledness with me. The single-mindedness shows, it proves a relationship. It's not the means of gaining relationship. It just proves it. That's why he said in chapter 13, they will know you are my disciples by your love for one another. And so you have the principle of sacrifice. You have the principle of single-mindedness. And third is this principle, the principle of support, the principle of support. This is another reflection of our relationship with Jesus Christ, our relationship with the vine, this reality of support. Notice verse 16, you did not choose me, but I chose you and I appointed you that you should go and bear fruit. And your fruit should remain so that whatever you ask of the Father in my name, He may give to you. It's interesting, those who are friends of Christ, those who are truly in the vine are characterized by the fact that they have not only been chosen by God, but they have been appointed by God. Each one of us who knows Jesus Christ by faith have been chosen by God to believe. The mystery of Ephesians chapter 1, we have been chosen in Christ before the foundation of the world. God chose to save us in Christ. He chose us in Christ before Christ ever laid any part of creation. Because in him all things were made. And by him all things were made. You did not choose him. He chose you. And he appointed you. Some of us sitting here tonight may not sense an appointment from God in our own life. But he has. He chose you. And appointed you you to active service in his kingdom. Christ is committed to doing whatever is necessary for those who are his, his friends, in order that we might accomplish that very appointing. I never would have imagined that God would put me in front of people to preach His Word. I never thought of it, never even dreamed it up, never uh, considered it. Um, When I was a child and growing up in the years that before I went to seminary, you could have never have gotten me in front of anybody to say anything. Scared to death, didn't want to even ask a question in school. When questions were asked in the classroom, I was hoping somebody would ask the question that I was thinking about because I was too afraid to ask the question. Why? Because people would look at me. But apparently, before the foundation of the world, God appointed me to incur stricter judgment because there is stricter judgment on people who preach the word of God. Frightening reality. I chose you. I appointed you. And I believe that this is essential for Christian fellowship or Christian friendship to flourish. It's essential for Christian friendship to flourish. Those who are friends, think about this. Those who are Christian friends, true Christian friends of one another, relationship with one another, rejoice in the success of others. They rejoice in the appointed, in the appointing and the, the building up of the others. To do what God has given them to do. Each one of us who sits here tonight. Because of our relationship with Jesus Christ. Which was initiated by him not by us. Each one of us has been appointed to ministry. And through our friendship with you. Through everybody else's friendship with you, we are to be a support and a champion of God's appointment to your life. We are to do, as a good friend would, anything we can by way of sacrifice, by way of uh, of personal uh, support. We are to do whatever we can to build you up in the appointment that God has given you in order that you might accomplish all that God has created you to accomplish for His glory. other words it isn't friendship if i'm not helping you become and experience all that god has intended for you christ would not be considered our friend if he was not fully committed to the fulfillment of our calling christ would not be considered our friend if he was not fully committed to ensuring that we accomplish all that He has given us to accomplish. Why? Because He chose us and appointed us. He didn't just choose us and appoint us and shine us and stick us on a shelf. He chose us and appointed us so that we should go and bear fruit. So that we should go and be productive so that we should go and fulfill the appointing that he has given us and that our fruit would be lasting to accomplish much. Christ would not be considered our friend if he was not fully committed to that reality. And so, too, in like manner, he is our example. We are following in his footsteps. He is the one who says, you're my friends. If you love me, you keep my commandments. So we, too, are not living as friends if we, individually, are not actively supporting the gifts of others. If we're not looking to the Scriptures and seeing and understanding the giftedness and looking at others' lives and saying, Hey, brother, this is what you need to be doing. Have you ever thought about that? Jesus said, I appointed you. You know what that means? You have been personally ordained by God to a task. Personally ordained. Not to just sit there, not to just watch, not to be a spectator, but to be involved. I appointed you that you should go. Bear fruit, be fruit, bear. That implies action, doesn't it? We, you, you can't be sitting and going at the same time. You're doing one or the other. where to be going? Not sitting. And so God enlisted us. God made us friends. And appointed us, and gifted us, and equipped us, and empowered us. And our part is that we get going. Our part is that we obey. Our part is that we do. Our part is that we are fruit bearers. We're productive ones. So we are friends when we support one another in that process. We're friends when we sacrifice for others. We're friends when we support one another. We're friends when we're single-minded directionally. We're on the right track. We're going the same direction. Is it any wonder that Jesus could say here at the end of verse 16, and whatever you ask for the Father in my name, he's going to give to you. You know why he can say that? Because we're on the right frame of mind. We're doing the right thing. We want what God wants. And so we go to God and we ask God for the things that God wants because that's the track we're in and we're loving Christ and we're loving one another and it's a reflection of that relationship and all things are flowing. Fruit is being produced. It's a beautiful thing when the church operates in that way. It's a beautiful thing when relationships operate in that way. these optional for us as Christians? It's an easy answer, isn't it? An easy answer, really. Not optional. Jesus repeats what he's already said before. It's not optional. (laughs) We can't bear fruit. We can't go. We can't have fruit that remains, we'll never ask what the Father wants if we're not obedient to what Jesus asks, which is a reflection of our love. We're not bearing fruit if we're not sacrificing. We're not bearing fruit if we're not supporting. We're not bearing fruit if we're not single-minded together. It's impossible without being tied into the vine can't do it but we can when we're walking by the spirit right we can when we're we can love when we're submitting ourselves to the spirit you know what walking by the spirit means obedience the fruit of the spirit is Galatians 5.22, what's the first thing he says? fruit of the Spirit is love. Love. Christ commands us to love. This I command you, verse 17, that you love one another. Christ commands us to love, and Christ has equipped us to love. What do we what do? We do? We have to be submissive to His command and to His example of love. That's what we do. Are we going to fail at that? Yep. Are we going to step on each other's toes? Yes. Are we going to offend each other? Yes. Will there be attitudes of suspicion from time to time? Yes, because we sin. Can we learn to practice love like this and grow in our application of it toward one another? Yes. If we're willing to obey Christ. See, it begins with us individually. And as we abide in Christ, we'll love Him and we'll love others as true friends. And we'll draw upon Christ, realizing that without Him we can do nothing. When our individual walk with God is right, when we're loving Christ, because we're loving God with our whole heart, mind, and strength, and we're loving Him like that, we'll love our neighbor as ourself, and we'll see others as God sees them. Through the mind of Christ, through the eyes of Christ. And all those little idiosyncrasies, all those petty things that we sometimes get irritated about will start to fade. We'll begin to see them as God sees them and we'll begin to sacrifice on their behalf. We'll be single-minded in direction and we will support one another. God will be honored and the church will be growing spiritually above everything else. And when people walk in our door, they will say, what in the world is with this church? It's not like any other church I've been to. And we'll just sit back and smile and all the glory will go to God and we'll thank him for what he's done in our individual hearts and what he's doing in the corporate body. And it will be infectious to a hostile world who will want to hate us more and to those whom God has called, they will draw to the gospel. And maybe, maybe we'll be the ones who get to see the fruit of that drawing that God is doing, and they come to Christ and become a new part of the body. Our relationship to the vine our relationship to one another and we'll see what the world does with that next time let's pray Father, we thank you for our time tonight. We thank you for this weekend so rich, so overwhelming really, and all that we heard and all that we learned i oh it would be so sweet if if our 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 buckets didn't overflow and spill some out and we miss it and we'll have to catch it another time because we've been so filled with just the wonder of your grace. Thank you for even our time here tonight and this just brief time in your word to understand what it means to have a relationship with one another. Principle of sacrifice, single-mindedness, support of one another. We don't destroy in some earthly way. What you would desire to be accomplished even now through us. So Lord, help us to just look to ourselves in the sense of sacrificing for others. Building others up for the sake of your glory. Bring us back even this week to the times of Bible study and prayer times and just fellowship together. That we might grow in relationship to one another and that this church would be a strong beacon for the sake of the gospel. In Jesus' name, amen.